We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pre-Strike Show, episode 206. Good morning, Scott. How's it going? It's going well. Good morning. Nice little Saturday morning. We actually got some Yankees news with, uh, with some arbitration, some, some uh, salary cap talk today, salary cap tax threshold. Uh, some guys got some contracts. No drama. That was good. A little different from last year. So I think yeah. we're starting the uh, 2018 year on the right foot. Randy, Le- Randy Levine is not pissing anybody off yet. Yeah, this week. Yeah, this week was also highlighted by some fake news, just uh, fake reports about Darvish, supposedly, according to Darvish on Twitter, and then also about Garrett Cole. We're going to get into all of that. So it, it was kind of a busy week. It was the, the fake news was ridiculous because it's everywhere now. I think Twitter just breeds fake news. It's so easy to put something out there that there's a there's a quick trigger finger for everybody and they want to be first. Like You got to be first, right? That that's the deal. Yeah. And whether you're first in real or first in fake, it doesn't matter because you're going to get the attention. And uh, unfortunately, that breeds to a lot of very bad information. So um, Garrett Cole is still out there and we still have to talk about him because he's still on the Pirates. Uh before we get into all that, though, we do have a special guest joining the podcast, not for the Facebook Live, but for all of the listeners who are listening to just the audio. But this is a good tease for the people who are watching on Facebook Live. It'll cause them to actually have to download the podcast uh, in iTunes or whatever it is they listen. 
Billy McKinney joined us yesterday for about 25 minutes. We talked to him, really nice kid, talked to him about his uh, Arizona Fall League, his offseason, learned a lot about his his life growing up. And, you know, he's been traded uh, twice already, and he's only 23 years old. Third organization. Yeah, just sort of getting into the mindset of how a young player deals with that. It was actually a really fun fun time I had talking to him. And and for those of you who are not as familiar with Billy McKinney, he's uh, he came over in the Chapman deal. He was originally traded from the Oakland A's to Chicago for um, the uh, for Jeff Samarja and Addison Russell in that deal. That was a big deal. So he's come over in actually two very big trades uh, mm-hmm. to two different teams. And he was a top 100 prospect for a for as he came up, he then shattered his kneecap, which is just excruciatingly. It sounds awful. And from what he was saying, it's as bad as it sounds, Um, but did a a foul ball basically and has been rehabbing for a while. And it seems like, you know, just from looking at the way he's been playing and the numbers he's been putting up uh, last year, he had a really good second half of 2017 um, and then went to the Arizona fall league and has been playing a little bit of first base. He's an outfielder by trade. And then he's been playing some first base. So, we find out more about his experience at first. And, you know, that definitely adds some flexibility because the Yankees are certainly looking for a guy that can, you know, play some different positions. And then also first base being one of them as a, you know, as a sort of backup, because I don't think there really is that role set right now. I, I mean, Tyler Austin, I guess, would be the guy, the leader in the clubhouse at this point, but um, that's by no means cemented. So I think uh, McKinney is definitely doing himself some very big favors by playing different positions. Yeah. And we talked about not to ruin too much of the interview, but he's healthy now. Like he said about the kneecap and his his career for a couple of years was kind of derailed just from injuries. And now that he's healthy, he had a great second half in, in Scranton and then a, a really good Arizona Fall League. So I'm interested to see what he does this year. Uh, also, we, we talked about it last week, but we will be at spring training March 23rd and 24th. That's a Friday afternoon game against the Red Sox and then a Saturday afternoon split squad. But they're playing at home against Toronto. Uh, We got a couple of emails about what's going to be happening, what we're going to be doing down there. We do know definitely we're doing a meetup at the game on Saturday. We bought the the pinstripe pass that allows you to just get in the stadium and walk around. It's standing room only. And a beer. It gives gives you a beer as well. It gives you a free, what was it, 12-ounce beer? So It's a beer. Yeah, whatever. Uh, The uh, one thing I noticed or we have discovered about spring training and Steinbrenner Field, I mean, it's, it's most fun just to walk around right during the game. It's like especially once the starters are out and you might see a prospect that you're interested in, but it's really fun to walk around. Um, it's sunny out, which is nice. Um, and the new renovations allow you to walk around the stadium 360. There's a bar in left field, bar in right field. We're probably going to, the right field one is where we, we usually hang out. So that's probably where the meetup is going to be, but you know, stay tuned for details on that. Uh, but if you are going to be down in Tampa that weekend, definitely get a ticket for Saturday's game. Um, but if you can swing it, also Friday's game. I know those tickets are already sold out somehow. But yeah, the, well, it's that, a Red Sox game at the end of the spring training, so it's it's crazy how how fast the tickets go at, at, at the Steinbrenner Field. Yeah. And plus, this year, obviously, with the anticipation of all of the um, you know the the team going into it, it's going to be tough to to get a, a ticket. But they're they're always available on the secondary market. But that pinstripe pass uh, that they're selling is good. I would do that on Saturday. That gives just flexibility to go around. It's, it's too hard to get a group of, um, of tickets and then coordinate that. So we just kind of said, we're not going to do that and we'll meet at a bar or whatever. But if you're planning on going to spring training and you still don't have a date, definitely consider those dates. Um, we'd love to see you down there. We'd love to meet as many people who are listening to the show and more Yankee fans, obviously, uh, be a lot of fun. And who knows, maybe we'll spill out over to a bar after the game, um, after 
bar, 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 and then another bar outside the game. Who knows? You know, I mean, it's a it's a vacation when we're down there, right? Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, it's, it's I'm looking forward to, to it. Third, third year in a row. Third year in and, a row. Yeah, and and your life has changed a hell of a lot in the last three years. I'd say. Uh, and I, I know mine has too, not to the level as yours. So it, it's it's a fun tradition. We want to keep going. Uh, also, the the dates for the 2018 regular season Bronx Pinstripes events, the BP Crew events, April 7th versus Baltimore. That's the first one of the season. That's a Saturday, 1 o'clock game. That is the first home weekend of the season. So that's going to be a hot ticket. I'm expecting a sellout. You know, I'm expecting a lot of sellouts. There's going to be a lot of sellouts, yeah. So, so this, buying, you know, buying into these tickets, it, it, first of all, it's a great deal because you get the game ticket in a good seat plus a pregame party with us, uh, T-shirt, and, and also just get to hang out with a bunch of Yankee fans um, that we're going to be doing in Section 205 and 206. But also, it's going to be hard to get tickets throughout the season. So, so these dates, you know, they're lined up one, one a month. April 7th is the first one. May 26th is the second one versus the Angels. I know we're hoping for an Otani appearance. June 29th versus Boston. That's the only Friday one, but it's a 7 o'clock game on Friday. That's right before 4th of July weekend, so everyone's going to be in, in vacation mode by then. And then July 28th versus KC. Uh, August 11th versus Texas. And then we wrap it up in September on the 15th versus Toronto. So... You know, we've been talking about it for about a month at this point, but actual details about how to buy those tickets and all that stuff are, are still coming. But lock in those dates. We know those dates aren't changing. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. BP Crew is going to be live in effect. 2018 is going to be a very big year for uh, for for our this this community that we're, we're growing. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, again, over 300 people came to that first game, um, and we really want to grow that. So tell your friends, tell your family. Come as a group, buy tickets. Uh, we'll we'll sit everybody together as well. So, um, yeah, going to be a blast. All right. Before we get into all the Yankees topics, I want to take a second to tell you guys about ZipRecruiter. A fresh new year has begun, and if you're setting new goals for your business, it is extremely difficult to reach them without the right people on your team. ZipRecruiter has transformed how you go about finding them. You know, Scott, I was thinking about if 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 Cashman used ZipRecruiter, maybe he would have found his new manager a lot faster. Maybe we wouldn't have had to go through all that process. Could have been faster. Right? Because ZipRecruiter, you can, you can post your job to over 100 of the jobs of the web's leading job boards with just one click. ZipRecruiter then actively looks for the most qualified candidates and invites them to apply. They even review every application to identify the top candidates so you never miss a great match. Uh, that's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike over other hiring uh, job sites, ZipRecruiter does not depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate to the site in just one day. Uh, that's why ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. So for our listeners, you can try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bronx. Again, ZipRecruiter.com slash Bronx, and you can try it out for free. All right, so so we... Let's get into some Yankees topics here. You talked about it at the beginning. The Yankees avoided drama by reaching deals with all their arbitration-eligible players. We know last year that did not happen. They went to, they went to war with Betances. Randy Levine stuck his foot in his mouth last winter. That was sort of what we entertained ourselves with last, uh, last January. But that was rare because the Yankees always try and avoid arbitration by reaching deals, and that's exactly what, what they did. So the, the first one they reached a deal with was Aaron Hicks for $2.825 million. That's about what he was estimated to get. So a lot of, you'll notice a lot of these are exactly what the, what the pre-arbitration estimates were for these players. Um, so, so Hicks, 2825 
Yeah, that's good stuff. I mean, the the fact that the Yankees came into this, you know, the arbitration negotiations and and they just went through very fast and signed everybody. No drama. Let's just make make these signings, put it in the in the rearview mirror and move on with baseball. I think is a very positive step in uh, in the way it happened, especially, you know, we'll talk about Dallin Batantis in a minute. And I know we've been talking about him a lot. Some people have been uh, have been coming to us saying that we may be a little too hard on Batantis for the end of the year, um, you know, not doing as well. I don't think so. I think the, the guy has uh, still has some some stuff to prove. Uh, I think the four time all star every year is a little misleading. I think he's a very dominant pitcher when he's on. Um, but when he's off, he's not even remotely in the ballpark. So the fact that they did get this contract done, avoided all the drama from last year, is is good. And I think it's good for Batances too, because now he can just focus on baseball. He doesn't have the, all this media crap around him, and you know he can just get himself right. Because you know at the end of the day, the Yankees are a much better team when Dylan Batances is right. Ironically, Batances is the only one who got kind of significantly more than was projected. Yeah, he was projected to get four point four million, and they settled at five point one. Do you think it's a little make good for the whole shit storm last year? I do. I, I think it was a, a a little bit of the Yankees, you know, giving him a, a bump up for what they should have last year. And it's funny because the timing is is totally off with with what happened with him at the end <laughs> yeah. of the year. But at the same time, they're like, I I give the Yankees credit because they did give him a, a boost, and it's more of a you know, thank you for what you have done to this org- for this organization over the span of your career, almost. Um, and it was a it was a definitely a a good faith effort, and I think it will. Uh, hopefully, that'll you know that'll give him a, a good taste in his mouth rather than going into the last season with a terrible taste in his mouth and always talking about it because the media would bring it up constantly. Well, what do you think those negotiations between Batances, his agent, and the Yankees were like? Because the Yankees. Unlike last year, like you said, this year kind of had Batances by the balls. They yeah. could say, look, what, we, you were unusable in September and October. So so how do you think those talks went? Obviously, they got it done quickly. Um, and I think a reason, I think an under underrated reason why they wanted to get this done so quickly is because Cashman wanted to know exactly how much he's going to be paying to these arbitration players so he can then start to map out, okay, how much money do I have left over to fill out the roster and still get under 197 luxury tax. Well, that's the big deal. I think I think a lot of the uh, you're you're looking at a lot of the arbitration cases across the major leagues and you're seeing you know things get get done very quickly at the deadline. There's not much that's that's kind of dragging out because the free agents haven't signed. Nobody's signed yet. I mean, Jay Bruce was yeah. the biggest free agent that has signed so far, really. And, uh, you know, excluding the trades with, with Stanton, I mean, that's uh, for all intents and purposes a free agent signing. But all these guys are still waiting in limbo. And I think a lot of it was because the general managers are waiting to see how these arbitration cases went across the board, not just for them, but the other teams as well, to see what the the, scape, uh, the landscape of the, uh, the free agent pool is going to look like. So um, I, I expect us to start seeing a lot more deals now. Uh, but yeah, I think there was a general sentiment. Let's just get this done and over with because we're coming up on spring training in a month. We need to get these guys yeah. signed and, and on our team and, and you know, plans for being in camp. So um, I think that escalated things. Yeah. And if you remember with Batances, that dragged out into spring training last year. Yeah, it was a mess. The, the whole public, the whole public uh, relations disaster dragged into spring training. And that's just unnecessary. Like this team needs to focus 
on on they're focusing on winning a World Series. Let's not focus on fighting, uh, you know, like cats and dogs in in arbitration with these players. So I, I really love that they all all nine of their players, right? There's nine guys here. Locked them up. Boom, boom, boom. The total is twenty nine point two million dollars. I just want to run through a couple of the other ones. Um, Canely got got a bump up one point three million dollars. Uh, Canely, I think, went under the radar after the trade last year, especially because how good David Robertson was and how much sort of the whole David Robertson homecoming thing was a feel good story. But Canely was exactly what the Yankees thought they were getting when they traded him. Yeah. He's a guy that comes and peppers the strike zone. I, mean, I think when he was with Chicago, he was either leading the league or very close to the league with, um, um, walks per nine. I mean, the guy throws a lot of strikes. He throws hard. He's around the strike zone. And <laughs> unlike Dylan Batances, that's exactly what you need as a closer. You need to be around the strike zone. Um, and and not give up any extra at bats or, or or even pitches really. They're they're yet to use them all. And Kenley was very good, very very good. I think D Rob did steal the show because I think a lot of people were just so excited about him coming back. Um, but they were both very good. So the the storyline behind D Rob probably overshadowed Kenley uh, and what he actually did on the field. Yeah, the fact that all the players they got D Rob Kenley and Frazier all played pretty well and helped the team into October. Uh, is going to soften the blow if and when uh, Blake Rutherford turns into a really good player, which I think I'm hoping for because I like Rutherford on a personal level in the the brief time that we talked to him. But also, I, I just think he's 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 got the talent to to do that. So, you know, when you think about that trade down the road, you're saying, ah, oh, damn, we had to give up Blake Rutherford. But all three of those players, the Yankees don't make it to Game Seven of the ALCS without those three players. Oh, absolutely not. And they were, you know, they're controlled. Uh, David Robertson and Canley are controlled assets. So that's another big piece. It wasn't just a move for last year. Uh, Frazier was obviously a rental, but you know, maybe his time uh, in New York turned into something else that could, you know, make it one more year, or another year or two. Who knows with with that signing? But. You know, it was a good deal. Uh, the fact that uh, that Rutherford went to to Chicago. I mean, he was so low in the system at that point that, and the Yankees were ready to go with a with a plentiful outfield, um, and then another guy that was pretty much mirroring what he was doing as far as a prospect, and even some have higher in Florio. Um, so the Yankees had the you know the the leverage, I think, in that in that in that area in the outfield, and the ability to be flexible with giving up some prospects for you know a more short term gain. I think it was a great move by Cashman and, you know, we'll see what Floriel is if they were right about Floriel being the guy over Rutherford. Yeah. Uh, Sonny Gray gets a bump up to 6.5 million. This was the whole reason the Yankees traded for Sonny Gray. Cause he's going to be affordable pitching. Um, and is it, what was he 28 years old this year? So 6.5 million for a guy like Sonny Gray is absolutely good value. Uh, do you think there was any, what was his play for Cashman saying, Hey, I deserve a raise because X, Y, Z. Well, I mean, I think he just he comes in and saying, I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. Um, I am the guy, you know, everybody thought I was early in the career, a couple of fluky injuries, because when we look back at them and we did all the anal- analyzing of Sonny Gray before that trade actually happened or right after that trade, we, we look back at those injuries and they really weren't injuries that that raised too many big flags for long term. Um, this is a guy that's definitely healthy right now. And he's uh, he's one of the best, you know, ERA guys in the in the American League, I think, when he came over and, and even uh, beyond well into to, to August, he was one of the lowest um, ERA guy in the American League, or if not one of the top three. So, you know, he's one of the best pitchers in the American League, and I think he can make that case. Yeah, and and like we said a couple episodes ago, neither of us will be shocked if Sonny Gray is the best Yankee starter this year. No, not at all. I mean, he's got that potential for sure. 
Right. Didi gets a raise to $8.25 million. It was actually estimated at $9 million, and I was thinking Didi has a case to make 9 or $10 million. All he's got to do is point at wild card three-run homer, two-homer game off uh, Corey Kluber to send us to the American League Championship Series. I would have been a 30-homer uh, shortstop for you. I succeeded Derek Jeter. I mean, we he, all he could have pointed to anything in his in his Yankees career so far, basically. Yeah. Anything. And I saw someone tweet me um, after the news for Didi, and they said this: the Yankees missed an opportunity to lock up Didi long term. That's totally false. They could still lock him up long term. They could rip up the arbitration uh, number and say we're going to give you a five year contract for X number of dollars. Um, I just don't expect the Yankees to start locking up players until after they 100% know they're under that tax threshold. But I think one of the first guys they would lock up is Didi. Yeah, I think Didi is going to be definitely one of the first guys, and he absolutely deserves it. Uh, we've talked about that in the past, how Didi is definitely one of the more deserving guys. He's already proved it. Some of these other guys that we're seeing come up, I mean, they still have some time to prove uh, who they are. Obviously, we, we have good... Um, intuition about what they're going to be, but Didi has already come in there in probably the toughest of circumstances with the way that he had to come in after Jeter playing one of the cornerstone positions of the New York Yankees and just succeeding well, and not not just doing well for for um, for Didi, but doing well as one of the best shortstops in the American League. I mean, this guy has has taken every year. It seems like he takes another step in the way he gets better as a player, both defensively, offensively, off the field. Like, again, there's really tweeting, like this guy's a, a master social media expert. You, you can't do much better uh, than what CC or the CC, the, what Didi has already done. I mean, he's been phenomenal. Didi, CC, it's, it's, it's easy to mix those, those names up. Romine gets a bump up, and obviously his fight with Miguel Cabrera is the number one thing why he's getting a raise, right? Like, look, I stood up to Miguel Cabrera. Boom! Give me a raise. Yeah, I mean he he can, he's proved that he can he can duck and dodge with the best of them. He's like uh, he's like he's a, looking pretty good. He was he's like a little Mac in uh, in Tyson's Punch Out. He's he was um, he's a guy that's that's also proved to be a kind of a rock behind the plate as as that veteran um, guy who can be the backup catcher. I think that's very valuable when you have a lot of time with your starting pitching staff um, when the <coughs> the, the backup catcher is uh, a guy who's you know a good defensive catcher has a good. Um, has a good feel for the the pitchers can call a good game and he's improved offensively. You know, he's not the greatest offensive catcher, well, but why, you don't need that as a backup catcher. You need a, a rock behind the plate, a guy that can call a good game for when uh, Gary Sanchez needs days off. <clears throat> Romine, when he was playing full time, when uh, Sanchez was down with the bicep injury, he actually was hitting okay. But then you saw when his playing time started to diminish his offense diminished. And that's totally understandable. That's what happens. Like you said, a backup catcher is not there for his bat. He's there for his glove and his ability to work with pitchers. Um, do you do you think the Yankees though were exploring any other options for at catcher as a backup, a more stable backup than Romine? I know um, <clears throat> what was his name Avila w- was sort of uh, thrown around as a rumor as a lefty hitting option to, to Sanchez's right bat because. Like we saw, Sanchez struggled behind the plate towards the end of the year, and if he's going to get more time at DH, they want somebody who can have a little bit more offensive pop than Romine does if he's going to be playing, say, 60 games a year. See, I actually don't think that's the case. I don't even think that's true because I think that the Yankees are, are more uh, more comfortable with a guy that is a, a defensive catcher and can can call a good game and, and be that rock behind the plate than the bat. 
I mean, we've seen what this Yankees lineup is going to be. They don't really need a catcher to uh, another catcher to be great with the bat. They honestly don't. They need the 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 level of importance on the backup catcher at this point is more of uh, a guy that can handle the rotation one through five. Uh, and then the bullpen, ha- those guys having a comfort with him so that if they are in a late game, close game, and Romine is the guy in there that, you know, everybody can, can call any pitch and feel comfortable with Romine being that guy. That's to me, the level of importance. The bat is very far secondary. So no, I think that they, th- I don't, I didn't agree with, uh, with anybody talking about going out and get, I mean, look, he's, he's a $1.2 million backup. Catch. Like that's, that's a great value for a guy that has been in the system forever. It's a, it's a perfect value. He's exactly to me, the bet, like a very good situation for uh, the backup catcher. I love it. You know, but you know how it goes. Any, any area that fans can see there would be an upgrade because Avila is a better player than Romine. You know, this whole thing, like this is how I compare this to, you know, when you play fantasy football and you get a really good team after the no, draft. I've never had that. Well, I've never had that. If, if you have a good team after the draft, I feel great about this team. Your season starts really well. You you know you, you get off to like a three and zero start. You're, you're, everybody's lighting it up, and then you start looking in your lineup. You're like, okay, these bench guys. I could turn those bench guys into starters if I flip them. <laughs> and then you start getting cute and offering trades and doing all these yeah. things. And and you look around in like four weeks, and you, your team actually isn't as good because you got hyped up on trying to get everybody as good as possible. Whereas now the Yankees have cogs. And that's important. You have guys that are playing their role on a given team. You don't need everybody to be a superstar. You need them to play their particular role and play that role well. And to me, that's what Austin Romine is. He's a guy that comes in, plays the backup catcher role very well. He knows how to do it. He's done it for a long time. And why do we need a guy that, that deserves more playing time? We don't. We don't need that guy. We don't need that type of, uh, that type of player that's, that's itching to get out there even more. I mean, look, Romine knows where he is. So I'm fine with that. I think it's a great move. It was probably more of a discussion before the Yankees traded for Stanton when it looked like Sanchez might be more of a uh, DH than because right now they have guys. And we actually have a mailbag question about this, so I don't want to I don't want to get into it too much. But uh, Sanchez is not going to get as much time at DH now with Stanton on the roster than he was before Stanton. No, that's true. There's a, there's definitely more time to to fill on that DH spot with uh, with more guys now in the in the rota- in the, the circulation of outfielders and. And first base, or I don't know. It's going to be uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how Aaron Boone handles the designated hitter spot. The final guy I want to talk about is Adam Warren, who gets a, a bump up to three point three million dollars. And I think that all he has to do is say, "I sucked so terribly with the Cubs that they gave me back to you." Yeah, he's he's only apparently Adam Warren can pitch in pinstripes that are of New York pinstripes, and and that's it. Because he's not, he's like a Na- totally different guy when he goes and navy wears the, blue, not royal. When he wears the royal the, blue the pinstripes, Cubs yeah, yeah, Cubs blue pinstripes, not so good. So he comes back and feels very comfortable here. Good move, you know. He he got what he what he uh, intended to get. Question about Warren: Does he make a start for the Yankees this year? Um, I think I, it depends on how spring training goes. Uh, but yeah, I, I could see him making a spot start. He's a guy that I think they. He, he, Adam Warren's not one of those guys that people are worried about ruining in the middle of a year, right? <laughs> he's like, he's fine. He'll just do it. Like, it's okay. Yeah. And if he gets ruined, eh, you know, yeah. so I, I think that. Oh, that's terrible. It is that's terrible. terrible to he, say about Adam Warren. He's Adam a guy Warren. that uh, I think that the, the Yankees have a comfort level and, and he's a, a veteran guy at this point yeah. and knows that he can come in and, and fill in a spot start. So, yeah, I, I could see it happening. Well, he was actually a pretty good 
pretty consistent starter when he was starting for the Yankees in 2015. I was that when CC was out I, in, t- in 2015. Uh, yeah, towards the end of the year, I think. Uh, no, it was it was the beginning. The beginning of the, of the year. It was when there were injuries. Yes, I think so. Yeah, and he, you know, he wasn't he wasn't a top of the rotation guy. He's that's not the type of he pitcher eats he innings. Is. He he ate innings. He was a serviceable number five starter, which you know maybe on this team has no place. Knock on wood. These guys. You know, knock on wood, Adam Warren doesn't get a start because even uh, Cashman was on on the radio on a bunch of different spots this week. And he said one of the first guys that's going to get a a start if we do need a guy to fill in is Chance Adams. So I I still think a guy like Chance Adams is going to get a bump over over Warren uh, for a start for a spot start. Uh, But uh, but but all I wanted to say is don't rule out Adam Warren as a guy who can be that swing back and forth. And like you said, they don't they're not worried about okay, if he has to start and then go back to the bullpen, he can handle that. Whereas Chad Green, I don't think you want to have Chad Green flipping back and forth. Right, see, Chad Green's the guy that that everybody's circling is I don't want to ruin. I don't want to Jabba Chamberlain, Phil Hughes, you know, enter your Yankees prospect that got uh, effectively ruined by the way that they handled it, or at least that's the perception by a lot of fans. They don't want that. They want Chad Green to come in with a role and then fill that role. And, you know, whether he is still coming into the spring training as a starter and he's preparing for that now, that's to be seen still, I think. I mean, that was the narrative earlier in the offseason. I don't know if that changes because CC is now back um, and, uh, and and the bullpen is still as, you know, where it is. They still have a lot of depth there. That can change also. I mean, again, we don't know what's going to happen in the next month. There could be a lot of changes in the next month. We don't know because no, none of these free agents have signed. Cashman has has proved that he'll go out and, and make a move if he feels it's a good value. So what that means, I don't know yet. So we'll have to, to see what Chad Green's role is. But I think at this point, it's effectively up in the air right now for what he's going to be. So as it stands now, after all those arbitration hearings, uh, the Yankees payroll is about $179 million, which leaves them about $18 million if they want to stay under 197 And remember, that's $18 million from now until the end of 2018. Right. So if they want to, if they're not going to, say go into the season at 196 million dollars because then they can't add so they're probably going to want to go into the season at like high 180s if i had to guess right and you're definitely going to see i mean brian cashman is not the type of guy that's going to put himself in a corner and not be able to make that move if he needs to at the at the deadline while still going under the mandated cap because that's the that's what the the ownership has said the entire time the signbrothers are saying we want to get under that cap. That's the plan. Brian Cashman has talked about that when he was on his little radio um, tour this past week. He's talking about that. That's still the plan. That's what we're doing. Even with the you know the the, the talks of, of guys coming over as free agents, that's still the plan. Getting under that cap. That's the 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 actual um, offseason plan, and that's what they're still aiming towards. So, uh, yeah, he's going to leave himself some rope so that if the Yankees do need to get over the hump with a, a guy, um, he'll have the flexibility to do that. Because the thing about the trade they made. At the deadline last year with the White Sox to bring in Frazier and D-Rob, those guys were each earning big money. They couldn't make a trade like that again this year if they don't leave themselves room to do so. Right, unless they just throw out the plan for we're going to be over the tax threshold and that's I don't it. think they're going to throw out the plan. I don't think point. so either. They, 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 they're so close. They can smell it. They, it would... I don't know. I mean, I guess I could envision a scenario where they do throw out the plan if something falls in their lap and it's like, okay, we can acquire this this superstar pitcher or something like that that's going to put us over the hump and we think we're going to win the World Series with this guy, so screw it. Like, who cares about the tax threshold? But I can't see them doing it for another move like like uh, the Frazier-Drop thing. See, I, 
I think it's interesting when you're when you're talking about that. If let's say the offseason goes to a plan and we're you know about ten million under it, whatever five to ten million under this um, this area, so that he does have a little bit of rope. Even if they get to the the trade deadline, and the Yankees are a very good team, um, but they but people are saying, well, if you add this one guy, that'll put you over the hump. That'll be the guy. Is that is that one? That's not a definite. Like you don't know that that guy's going to be that guy. And two, right now you look at this team. I mean, it's a it's a World Series roster currently. So who's to say that that one guy is going to put them over the top? And and because you're doing that, you're gonna you're gonna sacrifice what you're doing in free agency for years to come. I don't think that's a game that they want to play. I think that they're if they do do that, then they are also putting in jeopardy future years because they're not able to make certain moves uh, to to better themselves. So. It's it's a it's a good conversation when you're talking about the very short term and winning a World Series in 2018. Like if that guy is going to guarantee you a championship, because that doesn't exist. So I think the, well, they're going to be talking about long term, and and that will be the the comeback to saying go out and get a guy and go over the cap. I think about the Justin Verlander trade and the the Astros get Verlander. He put them over the top. He was filthy for them in in the last couple months of the season, and he was their ace in the playoffs. That type of pitcher put them over the top and they had to add his massive salary. So I'm kind of thinking like that type. Of, I don't know who that player would be because obviously Verlander is no longer available. But if there's another Verlander type pitcher, um, Zach Greinke. I don't want Zach Greinke. Don't, don't misconstrue, my, misconstrue my words. I do not want Zach Greinke. But if the Yankees thought Zach Greinke was going to put them over the top and they need to acquire his $28 million or whatever stupid-ass salary the, the Arizona uh, Diamondbacks gave him, they can't. do you think they would rip up the plan and do it for something like that? I don't think they would do it for that particular scenario. But, but yes, so I, I think more to, to that point is that Greinke still has years on his contract. So, yes, so there's Verlander. No, I know. I, I'm saying that I support those. I, I, I think those are more of the type of things that they would possibly rip up because at that point, you're still not you're not saying that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm going into the, the following years and we're, we're still screwed by this tax threshold. You still have control of that player at that point. Right. So you're still getting yeah. uh, you're still getting a, a return on your investment. I'm, what I'm saying is they're not going to go over just for the short term of this one year and then not have a guy locked up for long term. So the only way that they would do it is by effectively like almost how Giancarlo Stanton fell into their lap. This is a guy that they, you know, for all intents and purposes, they, they're looking at this type of player next year in the 2009 free agency with a Bryce Harper and, um, and Donaldson, like Stanton's of that caliber. So if they yeah. were to get a guy that is of that caliber where they could go out rather than sign him in free agent, but get it in a trade and go over, maybe then they do it. And then it's just a, um, a money thing. So I still don't think they'll do it, but it would have to be the very, very, very perfect scenario. Yeah, I agree. Uh, one thing I want to touch on bef- uh, is sort of a continuation of what we talked about last week with would the Yankees manipulate Glaber Torres' service time. And one thing we glossed over or I just forgot about is the Super 2 rule, which means it, it's it, – so normally a player needs three years to, to enter arbitration. But if a player is a Super 2 player, that means they came up uh, like – Chris Bryant did where it was a couple weeks into the season, but there's a cutoff where if you reach two years and X number of days, it changes each year. Then you're a super two player and you can enter arbitration a year early. It doesn't mean the team um, gets him for one less year. They still get him for the full six years of, of uh, arbitration player uh, salary or years. Couldn't think of the word. Um, but still he still controlled make, the same amount of time by the team. Yeah. He gets to make more money sooner. And Bryant set a record this year. He he and the Cubs reached a deal for $10.8 million. So if Gleiber 
comes up and his time is manipulated, he might qualify for that Super 2 rule, and then he could get into that big money of first-year arbitration. So while the Yankees still control him, they're still paying him. Right, and I think that's the you know that's the players' association flexing their their muscle if they have any muscle at this point. That's their answer to the okay. You're going to screw us. It's by, not an by... answer. It's not an answer. It's a it's a small little blip fix. It's it's almost like the owners are like okay, you know we'll give you the super two thing as long as we can control the guy for the the extra year. But yes, it's their yes. way of saying hey player, we're still invested in you. We're still behind you. We still got your back. We're going to get you paid if they if you are indeed one of those guys who is highly touted and being uh, having your contract manipulated because of this dumb rule. But now Chris Bryant is set up to where he's making $10 million in his first year of arbitration. By the time he hits free agency, he's going to have banked like $40 million. Yeah, yeah. So so while, yeah, he, he I, if he stays healthy, he'll get the $200 million contract. At least if he blows out his knee and can never play baseball again, he's still set up for life. Right. And, and, but that's, you know, this, it's a very small group of guys that this is going to affect. I mean, one, two guys a year, three guys, how many are there? Not very many. But it affects, it affects the superstars who you're like, ah, that's, they're kind of getting screwed. It does. But again, these are guys that are coming up as well. So it's like, uh, it's like how the, um, with, with football, before they changed the rule in the drafts and these, these quarterbacks were getting paid like stupid amounts of money. The, 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 number Sam, one, Bra- the Sam Bradford, the Sam Bradford deals, like the number one yeah. contracts were getting like unbelievable signing bonuses and we're completely yeah. screwing veteran players that have played in the league for a long time and deserve the contract and actually prove that they can play on the field in the major or in the um, NFL. It's, it's almost the same sentiment where, you know, you don't want a guy to get paid too much early in a contract because he hasn't done anything yet. Yes. He's a highly touted guy, but I mean, look at, uh, look at, G, uh, what's his name? Giolito, the, the number one prospect pitcher, a uh, pitching prospect from the nationals. Like this was the guy that, that very well could have been one of those guys. Right. But he isn't is, he in Chicago. He now? got traded to Chicago, but yeah. he, he fell yeah. off the face of the planet. What if right. he was able to come up and get a giant signing bonus and then fall off the face of the planet? So there's, mm-hmm. there's two ways to look at that. It's, it's a very small window. It's the guys that are getting manipulated um, to come up. And it's usually a position player that's pretty close to a damn near, damn near guaranteed. Well, again, Cashman reiterated on his radio tour, which, Cashman, why didn't you call us up? Where, where's our interview? I feel like we, we've qualified at this point for, for at least five minutes of Cashman's time. If those, those bums in the afternoon on WFAN can get him in studio, can't we get him on the phone for five minutes? But he reiterated that Torres has a shot to be the opening day second baseman. So, yeah, I, I, st- I still have confidence the Yankees are not going to manipulate his service time if he earns the job out of spring training and i think that is the right thing to do it's also the right thing to say right now <laughs> that's 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 what's uh that's what well, yeah, he would never say yeah we're gonna... right we're, we're, remember we're going <laughs> they have the, a built-in excuse though we're going for the no drama excuse. off season that's what's happening right now the no drama uh front office put your foot in the mouth off season that's that's not happening we're all being very minding our p's and q's making sure that everything that comes out of the mouth of anybody in the in the uh, front office is is uh, company line so that's what's happening the built-in excuse for torres is well he had tommy john surgery so his 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 spring training is delayed by a couple weeks that's so he's not quite he's not quite ready for opening day but he needs two weeks in the minors and then he'll be ready <laughs> Just so, oh, happens, it just so happens to, to land on the two-week mark. The yeah. Tommy John surgery in the left elbow that has nothing to do with anything anymore, totally healed, completely well, fine. No, I mean, it's still Let's push it back sweat. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Let's push it back. It's probably stronger at this point. It doesn't, what do you have to right. do with your left arm? You put your glove on the ground. Yeah, it's a guide <laughs> arm for, for when you're hitting. Swinging? Eh. Swinging? It's your, it's your lead. Flexibility. That's your lead swing. I think he's good. 
pliability, all those ability words. Uh, okay, Ellsbury he- reports unwilling to waive his no trade clause. We have said why. Doesn't this guy have any balls? Doesn't he have any chutzpah? Doesn't he want to be a starter? Nope, guess not. He just wants to ride the pine. Um, it's like, hey, man, I'm, ball- get- I'm getting paid. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, so I still think if it was the right situation for him, he might have a couple teams in mind. I know he's from the Pacific Northwest, so if if the Mariners wanted him, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Regardless, Cashman, I thought, who's always very honest, said fans should not blame Jacoby Ellsbury for how much money he's making. Blame me. I love that Cashman said that because I know you and I disagree on who was the who was the the mastermind. I say that in quotes behind signing Jacoby Ellsbury. But bottom line is Cashman's the GM. He gets the praise and the blame. It's true. No, he I mean, the blame really is only circled around Jacoby Ellsbury at this point. There's. There's nobody else on the roster now that people care about. Uh, that's a, a a bad move by Cashman. All that all that stuff is gone. So um, Brian Cashman has this last guy to worry about, and he's right. If we're to blame somebody, the only person to blame it's. I mean, some some would say that you can blame Jacoby Ellsbury for not playing well for for acting like a complete dud on the <laughs> field because that's true. He's certainly not playing up to what. Everybody thought he was going to play, not even remotely close to that. So, so yeah, I think there is a lot of it, not because of the contract, but because of his playing no. ability, because of the way you're just being, you're, you're just being such a, 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 a freaking terrible player a on bum. this team. A, a bum. bum. He's a bum. I don't know. Like that's, that's the, I was looking for the word drain. Like he's a drain on, on this team. Yeah. And, and that is definitely to blame on Jacoby Osbury, but yeah, Castro gave him the contract. The reason he's here is because of the contract. Yep. And one okay. little year that is like a Brady Anderson spike in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Just was, saying, um, I mean, I don't know. I think David Ortiz was on that team still. Oh, okay. I was going to say my math is a little is, fuzzy. Was Manny on that no, team? How, I think Manny was on that team too. No, his, but he's still, I, 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 he was still, he forgot to change his address. So he's still getting shipments to, to one Yaki way. Yeah. I don't know. There's something, there's something about that, uh, that clubhouse fried yeah. chicken, beer, and a little bit of uh, something to wash it down with. All right, let's run through a couple hot stove topics. The first one is you, Darvish, and the rumors that the Yankees offered him a seven-year, $160 million contract, which he did not accept within a window of time and then was pulled. That report was from Michael K's sources. Uh, Darvish then debunked it on Twitter. Darvish is all over Twitter. Darvish is all over Twitter. Really cares about what people think about him, or excuse me, what people say about him on Twitter. I, he might be trolling. He seems to have a really good sense of humor because remember the whole fake, the hashtag fake news tweet. But but regardless, I cannot imagine Cashman offering a seven-year 160. That's like $22.5 million. That does not add up to everything that this team has been doing this offseason. It just does not add up. And another thing that doesn't add up is I can't imagine Darvish turning that down. Yeah. I, the When you saw the terms of the contract, it's really scratching your head because... Like you're saying, we've we've seen what the plan is. The plan is laid out. Everybody knows what the Yankees' plan is. And why would they go into a... How old is Darvish? 30? 31? 30, 31. 31 His prime is behind him. He's had Tommy John. His prime is behind him. And was terrible in the postseason. he's a bad pitcher. Terrible in the postseason. He, he, he was tipping his pitches. Fine. Okay, that's part of pitching. Don't dip your pitches. How about, no, but, how about we not tip our pitches? Darvish is going to be a good pitcher in 2018 and 2019 maybe even 2020. 
But if you're signing him for seven years, half of that contract, he is not going to be a good pitcher anymore. Yeah, and we know that now. This isn't like a thing. Right. Where, this isn't like one of those where like, oh, it's fine. We'll we'll get this really good guy in the front end of the contract, and then we'll deal with him in the back. Like, no, we're, we have flags now. Let's 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 not do this. And Darvish has gone back and forth on Twitter saying he did get it. Um, Matt Krantz is talking in the in the. Um, uh, comments as well saying that he did say, oh yeah, I did get it, but it wasn't, the numbers weren't right. He's been going back and forth. So I do think he's trolling and just having some trolling. fun with it at this point. But, um, you know, it just doesn't make sense. It, the, the numbers don't make sense. Brian Cashman's, if it was a window of, uh, like here, take this deal. Here's your deal. You have 30 seconds to, to take, to, it's like a shark tank. Yeah. Say, yeah. say yes now, say yes <laughs> deal now or, no deal. Or, or we're, I'm out. And then yeah, uh, Cashman's I'm out. Another reason I don't want Darvish is because he's trolling people on Twitter. And it's all fun and games if you can go out there and pitch to a three ERA. But as soon as you get lit up and you're on Twitter and you're sensitive, that's bad news. David Especially Price? in New York. David Price in Boston learned that the hard way. People do not put up with your trolling shit. They will eat you alive if you're not performing on the field. So the moment Darvish, you know, maybe in Texas no one cares. Maybe even L.A. no one cares. If he signs a contract with the Yankees, people freaking care absolutely i uh <laughs> like, i the, so the interesting thing is, is when you when i was listening to cashman talk on the radio and they were he was asked specifically about you darvish and talked about um you know what the uh the conversations and it wasn't you darvish by the way taking pictures of of meetings with people he was in and tweeting them out to like this guy's what, what are you doing he's it's like he doesn't understand twitter that's sent to millions and millions of people and like every media will see what you're doing it's it's weird he gets um, confused with the tweet or DM type thing. Yeah, the, it's like it's like uh, it's like our parents that are like, "How do I use Facebook? I'm posting something and I don't know where it's going." Um, the uh, but but it just doesn't make any sense, and I I don't think that you Darvish is really uh, along the lines. But the way that Cashman was talking about him was making me nervous because he was talking. I feel like his tone changed when he started talking about Darvish, and he almost like. It sounded like it was a legit thing. Like he was very, like he was serious. He said he couldn't talk about the details, but just the way that he talks and just listening to him over the years, it sounded like there was more to it. And that was just my gut feeling when I was listening to him. Um, I hope I'm wrong. And I hope that there isn't something, but again, this could have been one of those situations where Cashman was coming out and saying that, first of all, that deal I think is complete horseshit, the seven year deal, but maybe Cashman gave him something that was along the lines that still added up to the Yankees plan. And they're like, okay, if you sign this deal no pun intended, and and you go and you 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 basically cooperate with what we want to do, then we'll bring you on. But if you're not, then you know, say la vie, good luck. Well, what kind of deal could could be within their plan? Because like we said, they have eighteen million dollars to stay under that tax threshold. Darvish is going to get upwards of eighteen to twenty million dollars annually. So unless they're offloading Ellsbury, or I know um, another guy we want to talk about is David Robertson's contract, they would absolutely need to offload more money if they sign Darvish, if they still want to stay under the, the, the tax. So one of the other things that Cashman was saying in one of the quotes, uh, not, not exact, but along the lines of, we have the flexibility to add more flexibility. What Speaking does that mean? riddles. Yeah, I love it. It's good. It's, you got to pick up the breadcrumbs and see where they lead. But you Reading know, between the lines. So the very first, means. the very first thing you think of is Ellsbury, right? You're like, okay, Jacoby Ellsbury. Maybe he does have um, a trade partner. Maybe somebody is talking about taking, you know, a sizable portion of Ellsbury's contract, or at least some of it, and and they're able to move him. And Cashman knows that. That's that's potential one. The other the other thing is what you just talked about is um, the the embarrassment of riches that is in the Yankees bullpen right now could lead to a guy like David Robertson being traded. 
David Robertson is a very, very, um, a very good reliever. There are teams out there that need a closer. You look at the St. Louis Cardinals. They would love to have him. Uh, the, the Cubs Nationals. would even love to have him. The Nationals would love to have him. There's a lot of teams that would love to have a guy like David Robertson who has been a proven guy um, and, and will go out there and pitch in the ninth inning. The Yankees have, and right now, David Robertson's pitching the seventh inning, the eighth inning maybe if if uh, if Probably if, if I had to guess, the, I'd, I'd have to guess that, that right now he would line up as the eighth inning guy. Yeah, I, I, I'd say it's going to be between him and Batantis. I don't know if Boone's going to be uh, so locked into those roles, but again, that's I hope he's not. the thing about the thing about this this uh, this type of move is David Robertson's complete salary will come off the books because whoever you're mil. trading that to, thirteen million dollars, whoever you're making that deal with is can will take that salary happily and maybe even give you something else because mm-hmm. he is still you're making an a asset. prospect. He's an asset right now to a to a lot of teams. So. That's another thing that um, when he's talking about flexibility to add more flexibility, it's not just Ellsbury. There are, there are yeah. some other moves that can be made. Ellsbury, there's not much flexibility there with Ellsbury. <laughs> no, there's no flexibility like, with Ellsbury, but I'm saying like he's the guy that everybody wants to dump the salary. Yeah. It's just not, uh, very, hard, do, it's not very easy to do it right now. Why do, you think, um, why do you think, though, Cashman's tone changed? Like you said, his tone changed when he started talking about Darvish. Do you think it's because he, he, he loves him as a pitcher? He thinks he's a great pitcher? Or do you think another reason is is that there's no draft pick compensation with him because he was traded in the middle of the year? So if the Yankees sign him, they don't have to give up any picks. I think that's one. I think I think potentially that, that Darvish might want to come to New York as well. I think there's a, there's a potential that Darvish through conversations that they've had because they have spoken with his agent. That's been said. Who knows if they've if they've spoken to the player directly? But maybe there's been something out. Maybe the the agent came to the Yankees and said, "Hey, look." You Darvish wants to come play for you. Let's try to figure something out. If there is flexibility, we know you're trying to stay under the cap. Um, Darvish has uh, some flexibility in the way that he will sign a contract because he wants to be in a place that that he feels like he can succeed and he thinks the Yankees are that spot. Who knows? Maybe that's a, maybe that's something that, that Brian Cashman heard and was surprised about. It's like, wow, maybe we actually do have an opportunity at this player. Similar to how Stanton came to the Yankees. Stanton basically said, I want to play for the Yankees. Let's make this happen now. And it happened. And it happened on the Yankees' terms. Maybe Hugh Darvish is the similar player. But I just don't see the Yankees signing him to a long, long-term contract, like more than three years. And I think that this is Darvish's last big contract, so he's going to be looking for four plus. And I think that unless it's just not out there, and we maybe it's not because we've seen the free agent free agency just dry up. No one is getting signed. Even Jay Bruce signed what was it a three year thirty nine million dollar contract with the Mets? That is like half of what he was projected to get. Yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe the money's just not out there, and the players are going to have to blink first. They're going to have to say, well. I'm going to, like you said, we're, what's the date? January 13th? Pitchers and catchers report in a month. Yeah. Like, they're not going to be able to wait much longer. So if the, if the GMs are going to play hardball, then the players are going to have to blink first, and they're going to have to take less money. So maybe Cashman is waiting everyone out, and he can say, Darvish, you don't have your five-year offer. Here's, here's two years, uh, $45 million or $50 million. And they'll have to make it work for the tax threshold, but at least you're not locked into the long-term deal. And then, because Darvish is a win-now move. You're getting 100%. Darvish for his, for his next couple years of pitching. You're not getting you Darvish for 2021. You're getting him for 2018. And if it's a long-term deal, that hinders you 
from from adding other players, from si- re-signing players and signing players because of his contract. I mean, just look at what Jacoby Ellsbury's contract has done to them. So, so years-wise, I am calling a huge amount of bullshit on that seven years. Yeah, I think this this all started uh, a few years ago, and I keep I've I've talked about this um, this signing before, but Ian Desmond. I feel like that Ian Desmond, when he turned down, um, I forget what the original deal was with the Nationals. It was a sizable deal. It was a very good deal, long-term contract. And he was going to be the Nationals shortstop, basically, at that point, or maybe move to outfield, whatever. He's going to be a a long-term fixture in the Nationals uh, lineup. He didn't take the deal, went into free agency, basically gambling on himself, gambling on his agent, able able to get that long-term deal with more money. He didn't get it. He couldn't find it. Not out there. And he ended up taking a one-year deal uh, with uh, what was it, the Diamondbacks or the Rockies? I forget where it was. I think it was the Rockies, maybe. And then ended up signing another contract after that. But he, but he realized that if I sign a long-term deal right now, I'm not going to get the value that I want because I had a bad year the year before. And, un- and unfortunately, that really goes into what you're looking at for the long term. I-, I think you, Darvish. Also, there's a lot of fresh, th- fresh thoughts on you, Darvish, in people's minds and how he pitched in the World Series and how he pitched in the postseason. It's the so last thing they saw. I, I think when, when you're looking at that type of deal, there could be, and this is what I said about Moustakas, if there's not a very good market for Moustakas to go out and get the exact contract that he wants, it may be, it may be beneficial to him to go in, sign that one-year deal, put up monster numbers, and then go after the, the, the bigger contract after you have that benchmark year. So maybe that's, that, that, that's going to happen more often because like you said, the GMs are playing hardball. They're not willing to, to go out and make these very long-term deals for, for players that are almost like these fringe guys. For the superstars, those deals are still happening. Well, is Darvish a fringe guy? I think so. He's the best pitcher on the market right now. That Would doesn't, you that rank doesn't him mean, above? That's like saying that the you know when you're looking at an all-star or a Hall of Fame ballot, like he's the best right now. Let's just put him in because he's the best right. on there. He's the skinniest fat person, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What did you make of all the Garrett Cole fake news trade rumors where he was a Houston Astro for like 45 minutes? Uh, I saw Lance McCullers tweet a gif out of the throat slash saying game <laughs> over. That's what I saw. I saw Lance McCullers well, getting cocky again. Because well, that dude, rotation yeah, would have been it would have been like It would have been nice. I mean, if, yeah. if Garrett Cole is what everybody thinks he's going to be, I mean, not the player last year where he's given up, what, 30, 35 home runs, 30-some home runs. Like, 150 home runs. Who knows how many home every runs? Time. It goes up every... It was 31. It goes up every time we talk about it. So, I mean, yeah, I, I see that them getting very cocky over there in Houston, and that's fine. They won the World Series. They could do what they want. But um, no, it's just... Uh, it's big national national baseball guys now are getting it very wrong uh, with with That's the crazy things. thing, is that Morosi was the first to report it. He's a, a legitimate baseball source. And he's good. He's actually one of my favorites. I think he's very, he's very good on the radio, too. And then you saw like three more guys confirm it. And I have to think. Well, did they confirm it or they just confirm it because Morosi said it? Well, that's why. But they need to be doing their due diligence and talking to their individual sources, not just saying, well, Morosi said it. So I'm going to, once you see like four different legitimate, that's what we do. That's what we do. Like we're a, we're a a blog site that reports what's reported. You know what I mean? Like we're the guy behind the guy. If one of these national guys is in a a clubhouse and talking to somebody and said something, well, guess what? If it's a rumor, we talk about it because it's a rumor and that's we're fans. And we like to talk about the frigging rumors. So it's not for other national writers to be like, yep, done deal. Unless it's actually a done, deal right and then you saw the um the guy from the houston like houston newspaper who's like must have a personal relationship with the gm of the the astros said no there's no deal in place and then joel sherman said yeah there's no deal in place and then it completely unraveled so in a matter of an hour on whatever that was wednesday or tuesday afternoon wednesday afternoon it was just a whole 
pile of fake news on the internet. And that's how this offseason has gone. It's been so slow. So the, the, the first time there's like a nugget of news, people are like, oh my God, jump, jump. Garrett Cole's traded. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I and, mean, and I don't want him. I don't want Garrett Cole in the Yankees, but I also don't want Garrett Cole in the Astros. That's that's a fair statement because I think that's uh <laughs> I don't know where the in between is it's like ship somewhere else anywhere else I guess at that point. But do you want what would you rather Garrett Cole in the Yankees oh. or Garrett Cole not on the Astros? Wait, what? I'm so confused what you just said. I would rather him not be on the Astros and not on the Yankees. Right, that's what. It, so exactly where some people really want Garrett Cole in the Yankees. You and I wouldn't be mad about it because he's obviously it depends on who they give up that's the thing the whole the whole right. problem with Garrett Cole is that, that Clint Frazier is, is is part of that negotiation and I don't yeah. want to see Clint Frazier gone and because potentially I think he's even a Montgomery deal. too I think Montgomery's gone too well I, yeah I agree I, I, Montgomery's not going to have a role here that's for sure he's going to be so I think he'd something be different yeah probably and then you're talking about a something that doesn't make any sense to me value yeah. wise but, but uh, whatever if it, you add Cole to the Astros who the Astros are I still think the best team in the American League they're, they're the biggest competition the Yankees are facing to go to the World Series next year. And if you add Garrett Cole to that rotation of Keiko, Verlander, McCullers, and then Garrett Cole, that's a really, really strong rotation. Yeah, they still need bullpen help, but their offense is filthy. Their rotation would be great. So I don't want the Astros to get them. Trade Garrett Cole to some National League team. We don't have to worry about him to the World Series. Yeah, that's fine. Or just stay on the Pirates and wait. Wait no, around. That's not happening. <laughs> I mean, they would at this point, they should just wait for uh, the trade deadline. Right, we're going to get into mailbags, but before we do that, Scott, you want to tell people about SeatGeek? Yes, I do. Buying tickets to sporting events and concerts can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy. It's with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets of every type to live events. Whether you are searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find that perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or a musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer and at a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It is very easy to buy tickets. I can do it anywhere, just a few taps, and I can instantly find seats with no problem. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience extremely easy, and it saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. Best of all, listeners of the Bronx Pinstripe Show get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. So go download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code BRONX, and you can get that deal, $20 off, promo code BRONX for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Mailbags. If you guys want to submit mailbags, you go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. You can also join the Facebook group and post your questions there. The Facebook group has been popping recently, and I, and I love it. Love to see people join and, and get some Yankees topics talking, uh, a lot of different opinions in there, so it's really cool. You can also follow us on Twitter at Yankees Podcast, and you can tweet us questions there. The first one is from Matt, and he says, do you think it might be bad for Stanton to be a designated hitter for most of the season? If so, why? Um, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that he's going to have to get used to being a designated hitter, whether it's you know for a long period of time or at short periods. I don't know what's better or what's worse personally. I think that um, I guess if I'm if I'm the player, if I'm looking at a, a guy that um, of Stanton's ilk and where he is in his career, I would rather him be in a place that he knows where he's going to be. And if that's whether it's right field, left field, DH, whatever the the heck Aaron Boone decides to do, I kind of want some stability in a in a particular spot. Um, so I, I have no problem with him being a DH. In fact, I I would prefer it. Uh, with you know the days occasionally to get into to right field, 
uh, potentially left field at some point. We all we know that he's never played left field. Um, Judge or Stan, neither one of them have played right uh, left field. So something's got to give in who's going to play right. Uh, and and if there is a move at some point in left field, whether it's this Gardner's been uh, a potential trade target or a candidate, um, even moving into next year, looking at where they're going to play all these guys. I think DH is such a logical spot for him that I think he's going to have to be very comfortable playing there. If you had to guess, will Stanton play more games at DH or more games in the field somewhere in 2018? If I had to guess, I'm going to say designated hitter. Okay. So you think it's like a 60-40 split? I think it's even more than that. I, th- I think it's going to be more like 70-30. I think once he starts getting into that groove and finding himself as a designated hitter and he starts putting up monster numbers the, and, and everything else is working okay, I, I think they're going to keep him there. I don't think they're going to mess well, with it too much. Well, it's good. So some players don't adjust well. Some players struggle to go from being a, a, a full-time in the, in, infield player to playing DH. And they, they almost say, what do I do with myself? I got to stay loose. I got to go take swings in the cage in between at-bats. You're watching a lot of video. It takes a little bit of adjusting. So he might go through some of those rocky times in the beginning of the season if he is the full-time DH. Also remember, he's coming from the National League to the American League pitching adjustments. Um, so Stanton's going through a couple of big changes in the beginning of the season. He might struggle in the first month just, just because he needs to, like you said, figure out how to be that same player he is in these new roles. Well, I think that's a, a very big point to, to what we're talking about, though, and supports what I'm saying, because if you're going to have him play right field twice a week and then, des- and then be the designated hitter of the other games... Like, are you really getting your routine down at that point? Because he's going to have to find some routine now to do this. There was, in, in case anybody doesn't watch National League baseball, <laughs> there's no national, there's no designated hitter in the National League, so he's Not never, yet. he's never been a designated hitter unless they've he's done it in an interleague game. But thirteen games, I put his stats in there. They're they're, they're filthy. Thir- thirteen <laughs> games. So this is a guy that needs to adjust just to that position purely to play that position and and know what to do. So. You know, you got to find that that right mix of how he's going to get in his rhythm and getting into a routine. Like pregame things might change the way that what you're doing in between innings when the team's in the field. Are you hitting? Are you staying loose? A lot of adjustments need to be made, and uh, so that's that's kind of why I, I I really I think that it's it's most important at least early in the season for him to get that routine down. If he's not going to be a a full time right fielder, which I don't think anybody expects him to be a full-time right fielder when we have Aaron Judge, who just came off of an MVP caliber year, who's our homegrown guy, who is our right fielder. But, is he going to no. take that spot? So something's got to give. The spot. He's not taking the spot, but I think it's going to be more of a split in right field between Judge and Stanton. So they're always going to be playing, but one is going to be DHing, one is going to be playing right field. And then Cashman has talked about it, and Boone has talked about it. They're not going to be afraid to experiment with Judge or Stanton in left field. So I still think they're going to they're going to try it. They're going to try it in spring training. If it's a disaster, they're not going to do it because they're not going to risk injury and they're not going to risk a, a guy who can't play that position out there just booting balls in left field. But if they're comfortable with it, I think they're going to do it more than we think. Look, I, I have I have a feeling that the way that this is going down, if they are going to be tinkering with these guys and playing different positions. With the way that these two players are, I, I think we're playing with fire at this point because we saw how long of a slump Aaron Judge went into. When you have a guy that is of six six, six seven, bigger body guy, and they're getting into a slump like that, 
these slumps can last a lot longer. They're not as the, the, you know, repeating the um, swing is not as easy with a big guy. Whereas you get a, a smaller, more compact guy where you can get that, that, that muscle memory and that repeatability in the swing a lot easier getting the bat through the same spot in the zone. This is, this is going to be a problem, I think, because unless you're getting a guy into a groove and, and keeping their rhythm the same, you could really tinker with these guys getting into more extended slumps. And that's going to be an issue. I think having them in a particular role and knowing what they're going to do so that they can get their regimen down is more important with a bigger type guy than it is for another guy. I think that needs to be considered. Or they could be preserved health-wise if they get more time at DH. Because we saw, we th- Judge had that surgery to clean up his shoulder after the season. And then we kind of went back and said, oh, maybe the prolonged slump was because his shoulder was bothering him. We saw the video with, with Torres on social media and he had the shoulder wrap on his left shoulder. Uh, who knows if he hurt it in the home run derby, swinging a bat in batting practice, like fell out of bed. Who knows how he hurt it, but he hurt it. DH provides less time for Stanton and Judge, big bodies, running around, knee issues, ankle issues, all this type of thing that preserves them longer in the, into the season if they're getting more time at DH. Yeah, as long as they're producing and they're able to make that transition uh, from not playing in the field every day or having an unknown position in the field and what they're going to be doing on a daily basis or on a weekly basis, if they can perform through that, then yes, it's, it's, a, it's a great situation to keep people more healthy, less stress on the body. But being such creatures of habit and baseball being such uh, a, a sport where being consistent is so important and the least... The smallest tweak in a swing or the way that you feel or the way that you do things can affect you in the long term. And then you escalate it to a guy that's as big as both of these guys are, that's going to make them even more pronounced and potentially longer. I think that's that could be a very big issue. And it's something neither one of these guys has done. This will be new to them. So yeah. we have to see how they react to it. It's going to be interesting how Boone handles this because if there is, if there are signs of these guys not adapting well to their situations... What's he going to do? Is he going to lock him and say, okay, we're done tinkering with this. Judge is our right fielder. Stanton's our DH. And that's how we're moving forward. We'll get some time in and out, but that's how we're moving forward. I don't know. What's the next question? There it's, it's, um, I see this, the both points, both sides. Not only are we dealing with a new situation with these guys, right? But we're also dealing with a new manager, literally a new manager, never managed. So we can't look back and say, okay, he's done this and that in the past. We have no idea what he's done or what he will do. So this is all a giant mystery of of speculation. I can't wait to just pick apart Boone's little, little decisions, little mannerisms. Cause we learned Girardi, right? We we had Girardi for 10 years. We knew what his facial tics meant, what, like what it was when he was breathing heavier, if he was going to the binder and he was pacing back and forth, kind of learned all this stuff about Girardi. Got to have to learn that all, all that stuff about Aaron Boone. This is going to be a very educational year for, for Yankee fans. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, next one is from Rob Rosine. He said, I used to be in the roll with toe and weight at second base camp, but now I'm thinking, I think making a play for Todd Frazier or Josh Harrison is in the best, uh, is in the Yankees' best interest. It might suck for weight or toe, but it's important to get some veteran leadership and a proven bat. Neither Wade nor toe has proven it can hit well for an entire year. Another interesting play would be to go after Brandon Phillips for second base. Kind of depends what the Yankees are doing with Glaber to play. Uh, you, uh, all right. So here's my uh, take on the – so Rob says it, they need a veteran leadership and a proven bat. I'm not necessarily sure the proven bat is as important as someone veteran to be able to play in the infield if the rookies don't work out. 
someone who's been through the rigors of a season. I still think it's going to be at third base, Todd Frazier, somebody at third base over mm-hmm. second base because I think they want to leave second base open for Gliber Torres, but it's going to be somebody who can play third base. Brandon Phillips has never played third base to my knowledge. Um, I know Josh Harrison has. So if they want to bring in trade for Josh Harrison, he could play second or third base, but I just think that they're going to need somebody veteran to where if the rookies don't work out, they're confident in that person playing. Right. <laughs> I I think that it's going to be the way that that I think the both of us see this coming out. And like, I, I still believe Todd Frazier is going to be the third baseman next year. Maybe I'm totally off, but I, I just, I just have that gut feeling the, um, or there will be a veteran third baseman, whether it's him or I, I still think that if Moustakas doesn't see the money he wants to see in the, in the, um, the long-term deal that he wants to see that I think that's a very real possibility in the short term, uh, a one-year deal with Moustakas that could, that could be very beneficial for both parties. Um, I could, um, but, I could see, Sorry to interrupt, go ahead. No, I'm just saying that being said, I think second base is going to be wide open and I think Labor Torres is that spot. So if we're if we're talking about the manipulation of his contract and he's not there for two weeks, I, I really don't give a shit about that. It's fine, whatever. I would rather have the control for another year than two weeks of him in the beginning of a of a season. Uh, Ronald Torres is going to be the, the, the guy in the utility spot. Um, Tyler Wade is there. I think he's going to start out in, uh, in Scranton again and be the starting shortstop, lead off a guy and build as much value as he can get and just be more uh, in a position where he can grow as a player. Um, but uh, that's how I think I see things shaking out at this point. Now that the arbitration cases are done, I could see Cashman making a decision on third base or the infield, whether it's Frazier, Moustakas, somebody really soon. Yeah, well, I think it's also you know dependent on what those camps are doing. I think Moustakas has got to see how the <coughs> things shake out. I don't think he's going to be like one of the first guys signed. I think he's going to see how some of these bigger guys sign and then, you know, see how the market is, is, is panning out when you're looking at guys who are looking to add big bats. I mean, JD Martinez is probably the biggest bat out there right now that are people are waiting to fall and they're interested to see how that contract ends up being, you know, that being said that that could, you know, uh, set the bar for the rest of the market. And if uh, Moustakis doesn't see the, the prospects of, of that panning out, then I could see him going after a one-year deal. And he ain't going after a one-year deal in a place where he's not going to be able to do well. Yankee Stadium is perfect for him. Right. Final question is a Twitter question from at Levy underscore Cameron. And uh, why do you think the Yankees want to trade Clint Frazier more than Estevan Floreal? Both could play center in the future, and I doubt Floreal will be as good of a prospect as Frazier was. Um. Well, I don't think the Yankees believe that, actually. I think that they think Floreal is is going to be a very good player. I think he's more of a natural center fielder. I think um, Clint Frazier has a proven uh, a proven track record right now. I think he's, one, he's a higher prospect at this point, or I guess he's, I don't know if he's still considered a prospect with his major league time, but he's he's, he's of that ilk. You know, he's right he's right there as, with those guys. But the thing is, is that Clint Frazier now has, has like very real value. Um, and I think that other teams who are looking for a, a closer um, a return in the more near future, Clint Frazier is definitely the guy over Esteban Florial. Whereas the Yankees have a little bit of time to groom a guy like Florial to let him go through his uh, you know his trek through the minor leagues and and improve as a player because that center field spot for all intents and purposes could be very wide open in a year or two years. Who shoot yep. maybe even this towards the end of this year that 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 center field spot might be open. We don't know how Aaron Hicks is going to play over a uh, you know the term of a full season. That, well, he's never played a full season, so that's all he's, to be. He's got he's. Hurt. Yeah. He that, got hurt last year. That's all to be uh to be determined. And and Floreal is an interesting guy, and I think the Yankees do like him quite a bit. 
You nailed it with both of them. First of all, Frazier has more value on the trade market right now because he's major league ready. And Florial actually has more value to the Yankees because he's further away. Right. The Yankees outfield is very crowded right now. They don't have a place for Clint Frazier. The log- most logical place for Clint Frazier on the Yankees is in Scranton. That doesn't really make a lot of sense for where Clint Frazier is in his career. But Florial needs more time. So if all goes to plan and Florial... Um, progresses like they think he will, he'll be ready in 2019 and 2020 for the major leagues just about the time when the Yankees need another outfielder. They don't need another outfielder right now. Right. And I think even even more when you're talking about Clint Frazier, uh, you know, I think a, a place that might, might even be more detrimental to his long-term um, prospects as a player and to his career could be as the fourth, fifth outfielder on the Yankees because he's not going to get yeah. as much playing time. He's going to be sporadic. And it's going to look ugly when you're playing tw- once a week, twice a week. Yeah. It'll be ugly for him. And he might not be able to handle that type of thing. And, you know, maybe there will be more of a, uh, a determined role if, if guys like uh, Ellsbury are not on this team. Maybe that is, is, the, is, the, is a, a better spot. And maybe Aaron Hicks doesn't play out. Because I think that the Yankees, uh, four outfielders on the Yankees are going to get a lot of playing time. We saw how Aaron Hicks did towards the, even the end of last year when he was healthy, really. They, they had four guys that were rotating in that outfield, and they were all playing a lot. I mean, he played, what, four to five times a week. I mean, it, was, it was a pretty regular spot. So if you're that fourth outfielder in the Yankees, you're going to get a good amount of playing time. Unless you're uh, Jacoby all- Ellsworth and they just don't want you to play. <laughs> also, I don't think the Yankees see Clint Frazier as a center fielder, and I think they I agree. see uh, Floreal as a center fielder. Yeah, I don't think Clint Frazier is a natural center fielder. He hasn't been playing. He ha- Does he even play center field in the, no, in the majors at all? Field. He's been playing left, left field. field. Um, he could play either corner, I think, but yeah, yeah I don't think he's a center. He plays both corners. He like, for instance, with, with the Yankees last year, he did play in right field as well. Yeah. Played left field and right field, not center field. So that's, that's a, another huge con- contribution because if you are looking at these two guys, these two massive human beings that we have in the outfield, the corner spots are logical places for them. If they are to play the field, they still need yeah. a center fielder. Yeah, I don't Long see Aaron term. judge. I don't see Aaron judge roaming around center field. He could, he could do it. He's got good. He He's got the, I don't uh, want him to. I don't want him to either. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody who submitted mailbag questions. Um, coming up on the episode for people who are just listening is a Billy McKinney interview that we did on Friday afternoon. For everyone who was watching on the Facebook Live, thanks a lot. Go download the podcast so you can listen to that Billy McKinney interview. Scott, any last words before we get out of here? Yeah. The, so the places you can download them for people who are watching on Facebook as well is you can get us in iTunes if you have an Apple phone or Apple podcast app. Um, if you have an Android phone, you can go to the Google Play Store or any of these other podcast apps. We're in, uh, I'd say, 95% of them to uh, just search uh, Bronx Pinstripes in there and you will find us and download and subscribe to the show. The Facebook Live, we're doing this pr- pretty much every week now, um, but there are additions to the audio version. Again, this week is going to be Billy McKinney's interview that will be on the audio only version. So definitely go do that. And if you are in the iTunes store, Apple podcast, and you have not done this already, please give us a five-star rating and review. We really appreciate it. We do this because we love it. We do this so that you guys can get some good Yankees content. We've heard that maybe the guys in the afternoon on WFAN aren't doing so hot. Maybe they don't know as much baseball. Maybe Maybe they're not going to be talking very many Yankees. I don't think there's one Yankees fan in WFAN any longer. I think there's like 800 Mets fans. So how much real good Yankees talk are going to get there? Eh, I don't know. This might be your place. I think it is. So go download, subscribe. And uh, during the season, we do two shows a week. And uh, they they down or they come up on um, Tuesday. Uh, what do we do? I don't even remember. Monday, 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 Monday Thursday. 
We'll figure it out. But there's twice a week, and, uh, and and you'll get twice a week from us. So it's good stuff. Go download and subscribe. Again, we always appreciate it. Believe me, it's Monday and Thursday. We'll talk to you guys next week. Carolina got a proceeds from the oak leaves out into the open sea. See it like oak leaves, then I let it go with ease. They say I'm gifted with it, I just say I'm different with it. Spit it how I want to spit it. Tell a critic, eat a dick. Your criticism ain't a hindrance on my progression. Treat it like a blessing, reach you for a higher lesson. At an intersection, joining us on the podcast now is Billy McKinney. Billy, how's it going? Uh, going well, just uh, get ready for the season now. Yeah, man, how's the offseason going? Uh, it's going well, kind of shorter this year, uh, getting getting done late with the fall league, but uh, ready to get back after here soon. That's right. Do, do you have do you have like a a regimen once you once you go through the fall league? Obviously, that's totally new for you. But did you play? Have you played in the fall and then winter before, so you can kind of get uh, a similar approach to how you're going to go into the season? Um, no, that, that was my first time in the fall league, actually. So uh, kind of getting used to the starting later this off season with uh, my workouts and everything, but uh, I think everything went pretty smooth and uh, got into my uh, off season regimen and got yeah, used to everything. Uh, I guess just starting later. What does the off season regimen involve? Like workouts? Uh, like what do you do to unwind? Cause you're, you're so busy during the season. You probably want to have some time to do some non-baseball stuff too, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just try to relax as much as possible. Uh, I'll mix in a round or two of golf uh, when the weather's good. But uh, other than that, just kind of like to unwind, spend time with my family and friends, and uh, just kind of get away from the game a little bit. But, you know, it's the time comes, it's uh, time to start working out and get ready to roll for spring training. You got all your boys on Instagram putting up these, uh, you know, these workout videos. Are, we, are you going to be joining in? Seems like that's the trend. Last year – we were getting a new video from a new guy like every day just to, to one-up the other guy. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I actually like watching those videos. It's pretty cool to see uh, how yeah. everybody's doing the off-season. And, uh, you know, sometimes it kind of gives you ideas on what to do or whatnot. And, uh, but, no, I'm, I'm not really the video guy. It's not really me, but <laughs> I definitely enjoy watching. Yeah, you're humble. You don't like to brag about what you're doing in the gym? Uh, maybe those guys probably just outlift me. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you saw like what what Stanton was doing the other day on Instagram. And, oh my god, dudes, an yeah, animal. that was incredible. Yeah, oh, it's crazy. I, I couldn't it's stop watching that. It was it was so violent. Like the 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 motions he was doing are I've never seen anybody hit that machine as hard as 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 he did. It was ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it was it was in, in, like entrancing, but uh, I guess it makes sense to how how many homers he hits now. Yeah, what's your what's your reaction when you see the Yankees acquire Stanton this winter? I mean, it's just got to be excitement, you know. Um, I mean, seeing a lineup with Judge and Stan, that's just that's unbelievable. So uh, I guess it's just going to be fun to watch, and uh, you know, I mean, the things are on the come up for the Yankees, which is really cool, and uh, it's it's fun to see and uh it's really a privilege to be a part of uh, the organization right now so so taking it back a little bit just to start off your career and just to get a, a better idea for all of our listeners you've been traded twice you started off in oakland uh got traded to the cubs in the addison russell samarja deal and then um most recently obviously over to the yankees in the chapman deal so what's it like how do you react to to you know being so young and, and starting your career off and then getting traded now on your, your your third organization? What's your what's your mindset when you're going into something like that? Um, you know the mindset I, I've learned is, is being my third organization. The mindset is you know just go out there and play your best and uh, 
just just play baseball. Uh, obviously, I can't control anything else off the field. And I mean, I'm just glad to be a part of this organization, glad being here now. So I think everything's worked out well for me. But uh, yeah, with the first trade, it was obviously a shock. Uh, I mean, nobody expects to be traded. So sure. uh, that kind of came as a shock. And uh, I mean, with excitement as well. And then uh, being traded to the Yankees, I kind of knew how being traded goes. So it was actually kind of nice being able to help Glaber and uh, Rashad. Obviously, Warren had already been traded, but uh, it was kind of nice being able to uh, tell them how everything kind of goes and everything. And uh, it was an easy transition for me because I'd already been through it, but it was nice being able to help them. Well, this is just my opinion. I think you've upgraded organizations each time, each time you've been <laughs> traded. You go from Oakland, then you go to the Cubs, now the Yankees. It really doesn't get any better than that. But <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, man, no. Nah. Yeah, but... Um, you know, how did you find out about the news? Because like you said, it's it's shocking, especially the first time. Like, how did you find out about the news? Did your agent call you or something like that? Well, uh, getting traded to the Cubs, I was actually, uh, I got taken out of the lineup about five minutes before the game. Ah, so, so you had to do the round uh, of hugs. Know. Hug watch, hug watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know I was traded for sure until like the seventh inning. But uh, I was kind of on edge for a while uh, and uh, just kind of, checking them to see if I got traded or not. And it was kind of crazy. My parents were actually in the stands, so I kind of looked up to them and I said, I, I don't know, I just got taken out of the game. But uh, the trade of the Yankees, I was going to get an oil change on an off day. And uh, I got a text from somebody that said, uh, hey, congrats on the trade. And as I was driving, so I was like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? So I uh, got to the car dealership, and then I started checking Twitter and all that. And I was like, oh, wow, I guess I got traded. That's funny. So now, now that you're, you got to the Yankees organization, I know you got a, little, a bit of a setback. Uh, I think we were double A. You fouled the ball off your knee, and it seems like that was, you know, one of those things that I guess took a little bit to get back. And and once you finally got back into it, you could really see, you know, a lot of um, a lot of you just just playing regular ball and, and getting back to the guy that that seemed to be uh, before the injury. Is that is that kind of uh, what you think as well? It's like the you know an injury maybe der- derailed you, and now. You're you're kind of back to a um, you know fully healthy and ready to go because you had a really good second half of last year. Uh, I mean, I, I try not to make excuses uh, by by any means. I'm not that type of guy, but uh, I mean, it, it was just a little different, I guess. Um, I'd never been through a massive injury like that, and I, I didn't know it would uh, be that uh, that big of a deal when I I fractured my kneecap. So um, it was it was a long process and trying to get all of the leg muscles and everything back working together versus one side being stronger than the other. Uh, so that was a long process and I, I just tried to kind of stick to the grind and everything. And, uh, uh, yeah, it, it took a long time to get back to feeling good. And I mean, I feel good now and I just, uh, hope for, uh, continued health and I guess we'll just see how it goes. Yeah. It's kind of a fluky injury, right? I mean, you don't expect to, to foul ball one off your knee and then, uh, then you're just kind of waiting for the bone, to actually reheal. I mean, what's the what's the rehab process for that? Just kind of first wait wait until this thing is uh, is healed, stay off of it, and then you have to build all the muscles up around it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I, I just remember I couldn't even uh, flex my quad after like a week or two of the leg being injured, and um, that 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 was the big thing, getting the quad back and everything with the knee. Because um, once you, I mean, I had to keep my leg straight for about like two months. So oh, wow. once you stop using once you stop using your leg muscles like that, everything just all the muscle, everything just disappears basically. So that that was the frustrating process. But um, 
you know, it, it, it uh, I guess what doesn't clearly make you, makes you stronger. So, uh, I just kind of had to deal with it and, uh, kind of had to just try to get back and get ready and get healthy. You're not going to use that as an excuse, but don't worry, we will. It's cause it's, it sounds pretty, pretty, uh, pretty brutal to come back for something like that. Uh, it, it wasn't fun by any means. I, I wouldn't recommend it. That's for sure. Yeah. If I shattered my kneecap, I would be talking about that till the day I died. That, that's my excuse for everything for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I was pissed at our trainer for uh, putting me on the seven day DL. This is before I found out it was broken. So uh, I, I was pissed about that. Then I found out it was broken a few days later. I was like, ah, well, I guess the season's over. <clears throat> so you get to you're in you make it to AAA this year, first time in AAA. You had a, a great second half, as Scott just said. You're healthy, which is awesome. Did anything else change for you? Your mindset or your approach at the plate that allowed you to have uh, success at to this date, the the highest level you've played at. Um. Uh, I would just say sticking to the process. I, I mean, I just try to learn something new every day. Um, and obviously guys in uh, AAA are very savvy about how they go uh, about hitters. So um, I, I think that was kind of fun. It's almost like a chess match in the box. And uh, I really enjoyed that. But, I mean, obviously it's very difficult at the same time. And uh, I had a tough start. So uh, that, that I felt like I was kind of like climbing all year. So I just tried to stick to the process, not try to do too much. And uh, – we try to climb and uh, uh, get better every day. You talked about, I read in, uh, somewhere where you had a quote talking about the mental aspect of the game and referred to as a sixth tool. You're talking about you know, getting, getting ready in the, the mental approach to chess match and AAA as well. Can you talk more about that? Uh, you know, obviously, it's a big part of your game, mental, uh, the mental focus. Is there, are there certain things that you do to, to up your game and to get ready for um, you know, competition? Well, I mean, I, I mean, I just try to focus on uh, my breathing, really. Uh, I, I think that's just a big part of it. Um, you know, one simple deep breath can kind of just change uh, everything, I think. But um, I just try to do that, stay in the moment, not try to think too much about what's going on. Just stay in the moment, I think, is really key. And, uh, yeah, um, I mean, a lot, of these, a lot of the guys in AAA, I mean, they've got a lot of big league time or just savvy, very smart guys, so... Uh, I mean, you just kind of have to be smart with them and you can't overthink it, but you just try to stay in the moment, stay in the, uh, stick to the process and, uh, uh, not try to do too much. When you're, when you're in triple a, do you guys have, or at, at Scranton or even in other organizations, do you guys have someone who's working with you on that mental approach? Some kind of a sports psychologist, or is that someone that's on the team or is that something like external that you're going to? Well, I mean, I think all the coaches help with that. They, they do a good job at uh, kind of keeping you even keel and helping you. But uh, the Yankees have their, their guys as well, too. So um, it, it's always nice having people like that kind of in your ear helping you and uh, kind of driving you towards the right direction and everything like that. And uh, I just try to be an open ear and just listen and uh, take everything in. So you're in Scranton. There's a ton of talent in Scranton, a ton of talent throughout the Yankees organization. Who are some of the standout players, and, and more specifically, some of the standout personalities? I think that's what we're interested in. Uh, <laughs> like, who's the weirdest teammate? Does anyone do something that just freaks you out? And before you answer, and if you're worried about calling somebody out, we had Rob Refsnyder on the podcast like a year and a half ago, and he called out Greg Bird for being a weirdo. And we see Greg Bird posting his pictures of his hairless cat. So, you know, it all adds up. So don't worry <laughs> about calling anybody out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I guess you know, Rob gets that. Greg's a great dude. I, I love Greg. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's kind of tough to think about because, you know, there's so many guys in the clubhouse. I it's kind of tough to pinpoint one guy, uh, kind of a wild one. 
Um, I think Miguel Andujar, we, we have a good time. Uh, he kind of opens up in the clubhouse a little bit. It's pretty funny. Um, he's, a, he's a good dude, and he's a hell of a ball player, that's for sure. But, uh, I mean, yeah, like you said, the talent's just unreal. I mean, there, there's there's basically nobody you can pinpoint because there's just so much talent in, in the clubhouse at all times. Uh, I haven't seen an organization like it. So, um, yeah, the the crazy one, uh, I, I give it to Andy Hart. He, he's, he's pretty fun to be around, and especially once he gets his music going on his uh, speaker, he's pretty he's pretty fun to be around. How many times is he bringing up the one game he had in the pros where he lit it up? I mean, uh, that's got to come up uh, every practically every game. You know, he, he never brings it up. Uh, really? He's a very humble guy. I'm actually the guy that kind of rags on him for it. You know, I call him the 750 big league hitter. I called him that <laughs> yeah. for a while. Uh, but, yeah, no, he, he was, he's a very humble and uh, very. I mean, he's just a great player. And I was actually really impressed with that, how he never brought it up or anything. So, uh yeah, I, I was the one actually bragging on him to him. So it, nice, never, I like that. Uh, he, he, yeah, he was very humble about it. So you're obviously paying attention if one of the one of your teammates gets called up. You're you're curious to see how they do in the majors. But other than like an instance when Anduar got called up, how much are you guys in the clubhouse paying attention to what's going on at the major league level? Uh, I I think everybody's kind of watching. I definitely like to watch and see how everybody's doing because uh, you kind of create those connections and relationships with all those guys. So um, I definitely like seeing how the team's doing and because uh, that just reflects on how the organization's doing as a whole. So uh, I think everybody definitely keeps an eye on it. Uh, the games are always on in the clubhouse too. So uh, it, it's pretty cool. You know, I mean, a guy like Aaron uh, Judge, if he hits a home run, you know, you're just like, oh, that's freaking awesome kind of thing. So uh, it's definitely something that's uh, pretty cool to keep an eye on. When you guys are part of the system, obviously you've been through a few different systems and you're seeing now what it's like to be in the Yankees. Um, when you're with the Cubs, I mean, they had a really high, they probably had the best uh, system in the game at that point. Now the Yankees are up on the, you know, the, at the very top as well. Do you guys get a sense of pressure when you're out there or is this more of, uh, you know, you see all the talent around you and you're like, okay, now I'm just going to step my game up and you guys kind of feed off of each other. How is the, how is the uh, atmosphere like in the clubhouse? You know, I mean, with the Yankees, the atmosphere is unbelievable. Uh, and I noticed that in spring training last year. I thought everybody was just just great to be around, uh, great to learn from. They, everybody was kind of helping each other. Uh, nobody was really selfish or anything like that. So I thought it was actually uh, really impressive and really fun to be around. Um, yeah, everybody in the – I mean, I think the whole organization is just great about that. Um, there, there's no sense of pressure or anything like that with anybody. It, it's more uh, how can – how can I help you get better kind of thing? And it's uh, pretty cool to be around and pretty cool to watch. You mentioned earlier when we were talking the Arizona Fall League, and so that means your winter is a little bit shorter. But what were your experiences like in the Arizona Fall League? And I know you played some first base, which was – was that a first for you? Um, no, I played uh, first base a little bit in high school. I uh, played a little bit uh, my sophomore year of high school for my school and then uh, summer ball as well. But, um, yeah, I, th- I thought the Fall League was great. I, I think it's pretty cool uh, meeting other people from other organizations and getting to know guys and everything like that and uh, making connections and relationships. But um, there's just a, so much talent out there. It was, I mean, I, I had a good time just kind of sitting back and watching on my off days just uh, seeing how guys go about their business and how they play. So uh, it, was a, it was a real privilege, and I, I'm just grateful to the Yankees for sending me there. And so how was the – 
the transition to first base in uh, you know a league like that with all that competition? Is this some? Is it a place you, you said high school? So that's that's a little while ago. Is it a, an area in the field that you're comfortable? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, you kind of have to take a bunch of ground balls, kind of get your feet wet again. So, uh, I mean, it, it wasn't like a completely different language to me, but uh, definitely just took a few, it t- took a, a lot of work and prep for it. But uh, I, I felt comfortable and felt good there, and uh, I thought it, I thought it was a, a good thing. I, I liked it to be honest. So, uh, try to help my versatility a little bit, but I, I definitely liked. Uh, going over to first and just add another position to my resume. I, I, I uh, like that a lot, actually. Yeah, and that'll actually help you out down the road because the more more positions you can play, the, the more chances you can get called up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, ho- I hope it helps, but yeah, uh, exactly. The more positions you play, uh, the better. You know, I, I feel like a lot of teams in uh, baseball are kind of going that route because it just creates versatility and uh, helps you uh, whenever, if something happens, if somebody goes down or something, you can kind of plug in there or something like that. Right. And you, you had a successful uh, AFL and then you won the, the final fan vote to get into that showcase game. What did that mean to you? Is that sort of like the power of the Yankees fans? So they know your name now you're, you're on their radar and you, it showed with, with winning that vote or signing a lot of autographs after the game. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of time signing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was a it was a real honor. I was actually kind of surprised when they told me uh, I I got uh, added in in the fan vote. Um, yeah, it, it really does with with the Yankees fans. I'm really grateful to them for uh, uh, voting me in. I, I thought that was a great experience, and I had a great time there as well. So, um, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm just glad uh, I got got to be able to play in that, and really grateful for the Yankees uh, voting me in. The Yankees fans voting me in. Cool. So we're going to do a little bit of a, to close this out, we're going to do a little bit of a rapid fire Q&A just so we can get to know you a little bit better, too, and let the, the listeners get to know Billy McKinney better as well. So um, the first one I will kick it off with is what what are sports or activities did you did you grow up playing besides baseball? Uh, a lot of basketball and uh, football. Um, so I know uh, you're drafting the first round. Uh, so you signed a nice little hefty signing bonus. So I was going to ask you if you had any temptation to go to college, but my, my inclination is no. So instead I'll ask, what's the first thing you purchased with, with your signing bonus? Uh, you know, I haven't really purchased anything. Uh, I've, I've kept my same car since I was 16 and I, and I love it. So, uh, I've just been trying to be, uh, cautious with my money and, uh, just try to do the right thing. You know, um, I, I I never really had a dream car or anything like that, so I uh, just kind of saved it up. It sounds like you already have your dream car. What's the car that you've had since you were sixteen? Uh, well, it, it was a it's a Toyota 4Runner in '07, and okay. it, I got it for as my first car, and it just grew on me. So uh, I I can't let it go, kind of thing. Yeah, it's hard to give up that first car. Yeah, it really is. You just you just uh, have so many memories in it, so it's kind of tough to let it go. I actually went backwards too, and and just recently got a uh, 1998 Jeep, just so I could tour around a bit and go to the beach and things. It's fun having those older cars. Really? That's... Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Did you so, have? Go ahead, Scott. Did you have a? Uh, what's a nickname? So you saw that the the Major League Baseball is doing this nickname day. I don't know if it's going to continue or if it was just an experiment, but if you were in the uh, on the Yankees on that day, what would what name would be on your back? Huh? Yeah. 
You know, I, I couldn't really, uh, I'm not really sure. I've, I've never really had much of a nickname, you know. I mean, just the average Billy Mac or something is what people call me, but I wouldn't really say I have much of a nickname. Yeah, your last name is easy to just shorten to Mac. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's And it's it's a good, good, Mac is a good nickname for baseball, too. Just sounds like a hitter. Yeah, it does yeah. sound like a, ba- it sounds like a baseball name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's uh, kind of gone by growing up. Uh, so growing up, were you a baseball fan? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you have a, a favorite team or a favorite player? Uh, you, you know, I wouldn't really say a favorite team or favorite player. I, I, I just enjoyed watching everything. Um, being from Dallas, I guess I watched a lot of the AL West, but, uh, because it was always on TV, but other than that, I, I really didn't have a favorite team or player. I always picture if I, if I were to grow up in, in Texas around that Area and, and we're looking at baseball. Like I, I just feel like Nolan Ryan is everywhere. Is he not? I feel like he's. I see him at Astros games, Rangers games. I feel like that guy is just plastered all over the place. Is, is, is there a huge Nolan Ryan influence when you're growing up in Dallas, Texas? Um, in uh, some of my friends' households, uh, yeah, I, I'd say so. Uh, my household, not really. Uh, but yeah, I, I've I've definitely uh, had some uh, friends' dads with Nolan Ryan jerseys up in the house and stuff like that. But. Uh, and you always see him on TV and everything um, when he was uh, with the Rangers and stuff like that. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I guess you, just, you have to know him. He's a legend. Um, all right, so final, final one for me is going to be uh, who is the most famous or the coolest person in your cell phone? And don't worry, we're not going to ask you to call them. Huh, well, uh I'd have to say, well, now it's, it's probably getting there with Judge Aaron. That's but, true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, him or Ricky Henderson. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, nice. But, uh, I think Ricky beats Judge yeah. at this point. I don't know. Aaron, Aaron's getting there really quick. So <laughs> You're right. What, so what's but, the yeah, – uh, no. that, is that from your Oakland days? Is Ricky Henderson – does he do uh, – yeah. does yeah, he work he a was, lot with the prospects? Okay. Yeah, he's an instructor over there, and he, uh, he is really, really cool and really nice guy to me. That's awesome. What are some of those? What are some of those takeaways? I used to find it fascinating watching him stealing bases and the way that he would start so low and and almost like dig in on each foot in his first couple. Of, his first few steps when you're teaching kids to steal bases are some of the absolute best. He's fascinating to watch and study. Yeah, I mean, with him, it's it's almost like hard for him to teach just because it was just such. I mean, it was so God given for him. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, he just had certain drills to kind of make his legs stronger, and uh, he really worked and really worked hard. And I remember one of my first days, uh, we were working on base running, and uh, I went to break towards second, and I, I get my elbows swinging pretty hard on when I run. <laughs> I actually uh, elbowed him square in the chin, huh. so that was a, that was a, that was a tough one to deal with. But no, he he wasn't mad about it or anything. That's awesome. All right, final one, just uh, more fun. What's your What's your vice? What's the the, the favorite fast food chain of you? I guess in Texas or, or in Scranton. I, I have some family in Scranton, so I'm curious if there's a, a favorite in Scranton. Uh, fast food. Um, you know, in Scranton, we kind of end up at Waffle House a little bit. Uh, okay. I, I'd say we kind of go to Waffle House a little more than than all the other places, but. On the road, if, I guess there's, if there's a Panda Express, I'll, I'll kind of go there. Kind of grows on me, but that is dangerous uh, if you're going to make a, a long bus ride after Panda Express. 
<laughs> yeah, no, not not the, not the wisest choice. It always tastes good, but it always probably in the long Yeah, for about 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Billy, well, we really appreciate you joining us, and best of luck this year in spring training and also um, throughout the season. Oh, no, thank you guys for having me on. All right, Billy, good luck, man. Thank you very much. Take care. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.